I think the first thing to do is not panic, right? Let's hold on to our seats a little bit. This does not mean we don't invest in real estate. This does not mean we invest in real estate less. We simply still evaluate and underwrite deals appropriately because if the investment itself makes sense, then we can figure out the tax piece later. We never let the tax tail wag the dog. And you should never go into an investment simply because you're looking for depreciation. The cash flow is still there. You are still going to get, you know, depending on the deal, you're still going to get essentially tax-free cash flow. So hold on to your seat is number one. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the fourth season of Ready to Scale. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman. Real estate investing is not rocket science, but it's not a fairy tale either. It's an incredible investment vehicle that builds and grows wealth. I have done it, and this is why so many of the wealthiest people in America and in the world, actually, invest in real estate as well. Listen in every week to learn about all the different real estate asset classes, which strategies experienced and successful investors use to live their best lives, and the processes to do it. Don't reinvent the wheel. Just listen in every week to grow your knowledge along with me and to move your finances to a place where you can live an extraordinary life. This show is sponsored by my company, Blue Lake Capital, where we help passive investors grow their wealth through large multifamily investments and funds. To learn more about my company and invest in with me, visit www.bluelake-capital.com. Welcome to Ready to Scale Season 4. Let's get started. Hey guys, I'm Jeanette Robinson with Blue Lake Capital, Director of Investor Relations, and welcome to yet another episode of Ready to Scale. Today we have with us Larry D. West III, who is the founder of Precision Business Strategies. He's a fractional CFO and tax strategist, so I'm sure you'll be interested in what he has to say. In addition to that, he's also the co-founder of West Learning Academy, which specializes in helping support parents and students with children that have communication or behavioral challenges. Larry is definitely an overachiever. He's got an MBA, a master's of education, and a BA, all from the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. And he is actually an enrolled agent of the U.S. Department of Treasury, which I thought was pretty interesting. And he resides in Frisco, Texas with his wife and two children, except today he's coming to us from a very different and interesting place. So, Larry, welcome to the show. Hey, Jeanette, thank you for having me. And let me just say, that's a glowing introduction. I need to you know, record that and use that for all intros from here on out. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to do my part. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And I'm currently in Cancun, Mexico, getting ready to present for a real estate conference here in a bit. So forgive the ambiance in the background. <laughs> That's all right. We'll take you when we can get time with you. Um, and in full <laughs> disclosure, you know, to our listeners, Larry actually works very closely with our team. He is uh, the integral part of Blue Lake Capital. So I have the privilege of talking to him and probably borderline harassing him occasionally from time to time. But he's a wealth of knowledge, and I'm really glad you're on the show, Larry. I'm sure people are going to have so much they can learn from you today. Awesome. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, definitely. So before we jump into you know, what we're going to talk about today, which is extremely important, I definitely know that the investors are going to benefit from you know, what we have to discuss. But before we get there, can you just share with everyone, you know, what's your background, essentially, as far as getting into specifically dealing with real estate finance? 
Yeah, you know, much like everyone, when they start a business and they try to find their niche, some folks start with looking at really lucrative spaces and they go after that. For me, it was really just a passion for real estate. And a lot of the clients that I work with are heavy in the real estate space, even if their primary business is in a totally different industry or area. Inevitably, when the conversation comes up about how to grow wealth, how to protect wealth, how to build tax-free cash flow, Real estate just so happens to be a huge part of that. And so I was naturally pulled into it just by way of the clients that I work with. And I have a passion for it myself. Nice, nice. All right, good. Well, so, you know, let's kind of move straight into what we're going to discuss today. And so there's big changes coming when it comes to basically bonus depreciation. And it's something that I actually wasn't aware of until just recently. So I'm assuming that there's got to be some investors out there as well that are not kind of up to speed with this. So do you want to explain for our audience here, what are these changes, you know, and when are they going to begin taking effect? Yeah, absolutely. I'll take it a step back from there. So with the Tax Cut and Jobs Act that happened in, in 2017 going into 2018, we had this clause in there that basically expanded accelerated depreciation. There used to be limits on how much you can take. But as we moved in 2018, that tax law took effect there were opportunities for depreciation to be accelerated up to 100%. And so, of course, for your investors that use cost segregation studies or that just generally invest in real estate in general, this was amazing. And so we've had a really good run these last couple of years because it opened the door for us to take a ton of deductions right away in the first couple of years of owning a property. Now, those laws are due to sunset at the end of this year, actually. And so as we go into 2023, instead of 100% of bonus depreciation, it's going to result back down to 80% and then 60% all the way until we get to 20% by the time we hit year 2026. But one of the things that I suggest to investors is that, yes, the move from 100 to 80 is big, right? 20%, especially when we're talking about large multifamily commercial numbers, uh, sure, that, that makes a, a bit of a difference but it's still 80%, which is still pretty darn good. And so I I anticipate cost segregation studies will still provide a ton of value and it'll still be a powerful thing for investors, both on the limited and general partner side. Yeah, definitely. So just to kind of, you know, recap and summarize there. So essentially it's going to drop down to being able to use up to 80% of the loss next year. And then the year following that, it drops to 60 and the year following that to 40 and so on, right? That's correct. Mm. And I'm sure I speak on behalf of all investors when I say, you know, very, uh, very simply, bummer. So (laughs) you are right, though. I mean, there is still 80% and, you know, real estate is still, you know, excellent at building wealth overall. So let's kind of get into the nitty gritty about it. So first of all, when it comes to assets, is this applicable to assets across the board? This is applicable to assets across the board. Because, and I won't go too far into the technical side, but what the cost segregation study really does is it changes the characterization or what we call the useful life of different components of a real estate structure. We know the roof, the floor, and the AC unit, things like that won't last 27 and a half or perhaps 39 years. And so it changes the useful life from 27 and a half down to five or seven or 15. But this is the same for perhaps if you own a vehicle that is in the business name and you want to depreciate that vehicle. These same rules would apply if you purchase a large amount of furniture for your organization that usually needs to be depreciated. These same rules will apply in which this is the last year that you can take 100% and it reverts down to 80%. So it's not real estate only, but because real estate has so much value, it's getting the bulk of the attention. Yeah, interesting, interesting. 
All right. So, you know, let's get to the part that I'm sure everybody wants to know most. Larry, what do we do about this? You know, how can we try to, one, capture as much, you know, that we can use as possible, but two, what would you recommend that investors do to kind of reduce, you know, the overall implication of this in any way, you know? Yeah. You know, I think the first thing to do is not panic, right? Let's hold on to our seats a little bit. This does not mean we don't invest in real estate. This does not mean we invest in real estate less. We simply still evaluate and underwrite deals appropriately because if the investment itself makes sense, then we can figure out the tax piece later. We never let the tax tail wag the dog and you should never go into an investment simply because you're looking for depreciation. The cash flow is still there. You are still going to get, you know, depending on the deal, you're still going to get essentially tax-free cash flow. So hold on to your seat is number one. Number two is start to strategize and plan about how you can effectively use the losses that come from real estate transactions. Many high net worth investors have what are called suspended losses, meaning they can't necessarily take advantage of them right away in year one, unless they have other passive income. And so while yes, going from 100 down to 80%, it's a bit of a dip there, it's still going to be a massive value because if you compare those losses that comes from the real estate with cash flow that comes from your other passive investments, well, those two together just allowed you to make more money and simply pay little to no tax on that new money. So it still becomes a really good investment. Those are the really the two areas I would say focus on. Hold on to your pants. Don't lose your mind on it because it's still valuable. And then two, strategically plan about how you can marry those two together, passive losses with passive income. Awesome. Awesome. Good advice, Larry. Excellent advice. Now, you know, kind of talking about the process, what would you recommend investors, you know, kind of start to put into action now in order to position themselves as well as possible, you know, for essentially marrying, right, those other passive income streams with those real estate losses? Yeah, yep, absolutely. So, of course, we always advise that you sit down and work with your tax advisor, your CPA, to figure out how this works specifically with your situation, because different investors are going to have different implications depending on how they're earning their money. But the second part of that is sit down and strategize and have the plan put together. If there are deals that are available to you, if there are opportunities for you to take advantage of this year, remember, we still have effectively a couple of months left in the year to take advantage of the 100% accelerated depreciation. And so if there are things to take advantage of now, certainly encourage folks to do so. And then as you plan on going into next year, again, look at the landscape. 80% bonus depreciation is still valuable and look at opportunities for other tax-free cash flow and pull those two together. Nice, nice. All right. What about hold time? You know, when it comes to how long you're holding an asset, do you think that there's going to be any kind of impact in strategizing kind of with those, you know, decisions that investors are making? You know, I don't anticipate that this change, specifically talking about the change with the accelerated depreciation going back to 80% all the way down to 20. I don't think that'll have a material impact on hold times. I think the market, the real estate market itself will dictate that a little bit more. And so some of those changes that we start to see, some of those dynamic changes will impact hold time. But of course, this is kind of a very broad underlying piece of advice. As folks get into accelerated depreciation, depending on the kind of assets that they're buying, the longer you hold it, typically the better, right? So you don't want to accelerate depreciation on an asset that you're only going to hold for one year because then you have depreciation recapture and some of those other nuanced things to deal with. And so if you plan on holding things two, three, four, perhaps five years or, or longer, then this could be a great tool for you to use. 
All right. Excellent. Excellent. Of course, I'm a little bit biased because we typically like to hold our properties for three to five years. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's important information, obviously, for all investors, you know, to yep. take into consideration. Um, and I, I well, think great. three to five years is, is a really good sweet spot. And, you know, perhaps stepping outside of real estate and looking at other assets that people would typically hold for one year and then sell, not so much valuable, but a three to five year hold is really, really good because you get the huge accelerated appreciation right in those first couple of years. The asset appreciates over those five years. And so now you've got tax-free cash flow that's coming back from distributions. You've got tax-free cash flow that comes back from perhaps the refinance that happens around that time. And then when the sale happens, sure, there's capital gains, but if you've got suspended losses, those can be used to offset the capital gain. Nice, nice, definitely. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Now, since we have the opportunity to be picking your brain, are there any other, you know, changes coming down, you know, kind of the loop here as far as any other significant tax changes that investors need to be aware of? You know, the biggest one is this bonus depreciation. Right now, a lot of things are simply, how do I say them? They're really proposals. Some have a good chance of getting pushed through. Some are essentially dead on arrival, right? It all depends on on what our elected officials decide to do. But in the real estate space specifically, there's a lot of chatter and talk about the 1031 exchange and essentially what's going to happen with it. Uh, The proposals that we've seen so far, families that are making less than $400,000 a year are likely going to be safe and the 1031 exchange wouldn't impact them. But certainly families making more than $400,000 and of course, families making more than a million dollars per year, uh, they could have some limitations on effectively use a 1031 exchange. And again, it's just a proposal right now. Nothing has been solidified, but that's perhaps the other one that's gaining steam that could impact real estate investors. And yeah, those two are are likely the, the primary right now until something pops up next week. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And it is good. It is just at this time of proposal. So, you know, back to your original advice, you know, there's no need to panic. You know, we will navigate it, you know, kind of as we encounter each of the changes kind of one by one, and and hopefully many of them don't even materialize. So let's only worry about that, which we can control, right? Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) And this part right here is completely subjective. But if you look at what is being rewarded, right, if you look at the tax code, it essentially gives us insight on what's being rewarded. And when you look at real estate, especially again, multifamily commercial, it provides access and opportunity. And I don't anticipate, right, that's the subjective part. I don't anticipate any changes that will largely devalue the value of investing in real estate because multifamily provides housing to a lot of people. Doesn't matter if it's class A, B, or C, there's still a huge amount of the population that needs housing and multifamily does that. And so I do believe tax incentives will continue to be there. The same for commercial. It provides brick and mortar opportunities and housing for businesses and the government typically rewards those things. And so, you know, real estate still tends to be a relatively good area for return on investment. Definitely. Definitely. I couldn't agree more. And thank you for pointing that out. Well, good, good. So now kind of uh, just touching on one more little thing, because I know that you have some webcasts that you put out pretty regularly about cash flow. Do you want to share with our listeners, you know, kind of what that other little gig is that you have off to the side as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. We are trying to venture more into the content space, of course. And so we have two webcasts that we work on right now. One is called Tax-Free Cashflow. We do that every other Thursday with a good friend of ours, Shannon Robnett. And so we stream that one live on LinkedIn. And then we have another webcast that we do every Tuesday. This is called The Strategy Room. This one gets a bit more fun because we venture into cash flow, but we talk about the different strategies around 
increasing cash flow, increasing profitability, but then we wrap a bow on it to suggest the different tax planning opportunities to reduce the uh, tax impact of increasing your revenue and profit. Nice, nice, Larry. I'm going to have to check that out for sure. Absolutely. Well, great. All right, good. Well, last but not least, we have arrived to what we call the lightning round question. So are you ready? Let's do it. All right. So I don't know where in the world you would have the time, but what is a hobby that you actually have? You know, and this is one that isn't easily Googleable. I'll say that. So one of my favorite pastimes and hobbies that I'm getting back to more and more these days, what we call spoken word poetry. And so I used to do slam competitions all over the country, but I've recently gotten back into writing different poetry pieces. And so at, at some point I may share those publicly. They're, they're kind of in the vault for right now, but I do love to write every chance I get. Nice. Really cool. Really cool. And I guess you knew that I was going to probably see if I could get you to do one for us really quick, but I'll let you keep it in the vault until you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> Accountants are famous for putting out those disclaimers. And so I had I had to lead with it. <laughs> wise man, wise man. Now, though, this is going to make the next question a little bit more difficult for you. So what is one thing about you that most people don't know that you're okay to share? Ooh, that's a good one. You know, I am, I'm 32 years old. And so not old, but I've started to lose my hair already at 32. But if you could rewind 10 years ago, perhaps even 15 years ago, I used to have hair and not just a little bit. I had a lot. And so I went through <laughs> different phases. I had the Afro, I had the braids, I had the short hair, but there may be a couple of pictures out there still, but I think I've scrubbed the internet of, of most of those. But most people don't, unless they're part of the family, most people don't know that. Wow. Wow. Interesting. No, I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have expected it, but it's good to know everyone has their <laughs> phases in life. Right. And then we grow up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Good. Now, what about as far as books? Is there a book that you're currently reading or that you really love that you would suggest, you know, our listeners take a dive into? Yeah. So there are two. I'll talk about one. The one that I'm obsessed with right now is a book called Growth Gears. And it's a book about marketing and strategy and how do you strategically position your company for different opportunities and to jump into different industries and, and things like that. But the underlying theme with Growth Gears is, is not just systems and processes. It forces organizations, business owners, executives, individuals to really think long and hard about the strategy that they plan to execute. Typically, we have these one-liners or these one pieces of strategy, but it presents this multi-layered focus of breaking the strategy into three pieces, hence the gears, and how they turn together to all ultimately produce whatever it is you're looking to produce. For most of us, it's building a business and different things like that. But that book has so many gems in it. And I think it's one that everyone should at least pick up and read one chapter, uh, but it's called Growth Gears. Nice. Okay, cool. I'll look into it myself too. All right, good. Now, what is your key piece of advice that you would share for helping people build an extraordinary life? Oh, now that's a fun one. I have two sides to that one. The first side is really technical and specifically on, on the financial side. And not that everyone is looking to be exorbitantly wealthy and rich, but most of us want to make as much money as we can and pay as little tax as we can. And hence the, the show that we're on right now, real estate could be a really integral part of that. And so if you haven't delved into this space or if you're trying to dip your toe in, I certainly say jump in and, and take a look. And, and once you experience it, you will be blown away because it is perhaps one of the only assets that you can invest in 
where you have as much tax-free opportunities uh, that are presented. So that's the financial piece for living a great life. The other side is this little phrase that I call, be bold, be elite, and be you. And, And essentially what that means is be bold in everything you do. Make sure that you want to go after something and put your all into it and don't really have any reservations about what other folks think. Uh, And the be elite part really talks about being the best possible at what you're doing. And so, you know, not all of us could be LeBron James and be perhaps one of the greatest basketball players of all time, but we can give immense effort and really be the best at what we do just by way of our contributions. And so that's what we what we mean when we say be elite. And the last part is be you. In a world of so many filters and so many people that are putting on these facades, how amazing and how cool is it to walk out into the world and just be you and be yourself? And I think folks would appreciate you for that. And so my advice on that part is just be bold, be elite and be you. I love it. Fantastic, Larry. I don't know if you've ever read through uh, basically our values that we have for Blue Lake, but they're they're nearly identical, very, very similar. So very cool. All right, great. And so last but not least, most importantly, I'm sure if people want to find you, where can they find you, Larry? Absolutely. The best place to find us is our website. That is www.pb, like peanut butter, pb-strategies.com. They can learn all about our company and some of the cool things that we do. And we are on all social media channels, myself specifically. My tag is Larry D. West III across Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. We're going to get on TikTok here pretty soon and you know maybe do a, a dance or two. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Great. Well, Larry, thank you so much. This has been extremely helpful and very important information that I know the investors you know, are going to appreciate. I appreciate your time, especially given the fact that you could be you know, sipping on a margarita right now. So thank you so much for taking time to be on the show today. I appreciate the opportunity. So thank you all. Yeah, definitely. And for the listeners, thank you guys so much for joining us today. We very much appreciate it. Please don't forget to like and review the show and let us know what you'd like to hear more of. And last but not least, if you'd like to learn about investing with Blue Lake Capital, visit us at bluelake-capital.com. Until then, in the words of Ellie, be bold, be strong, and keep building your own extraordinary life. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.